2014, we stepped out into the unknown. God had called us to start a ministry. And so we stepped out and we quickly understood that we were called to a city, a city called Newburgh, a city that had a history, a city that was familiar with challenges, with struggles, with deficiencies, with doubts. And here we were stepping out into this city, knowing that God had called us to be difference makers. And so we went from starting in our home with 12 people on January 5th, 2014. In a matter of three weeks, we grew to almost 30 people. Our living room was our sanctuary. My flat screen was where we projected our scriptures. My son was on acoustic. My daughter was leading worship. My son's room was our kids department. The island in our, in our kitchen, our kitchen counter was our cafe. And then we ended up in a hotel, the Hudson Valley Hotel and Conference Center. And we were there for a total of about six months. We went from a room that seated 50 with a small room to accommodate our kids. And we outgrew that in a matter of six months. And then we came to 90 Broadway, a club, a place known to be a problem child for the city. It was a place where people came and they, they enjoyed music, but a lot of bad things happened. And eventually it got shut down in February of 2014. Little did we know then that we would end up in this same facility. And we turned it into Church at the Bridge. We turned it into a place where people could still come and enjoy themselves and where people could come to a place where they could see that God was real, but that God wanted to be real in the very places that they came from. And so our history is one up until this point of concentric circles that continually expand. It's like a ripple effect. It started with 12 people, and today over 200 people call Church at the Bridge home, but not a home where they stay. It's a home where it's home based and they go from, and they're bringing the gospel in a real, personal way to lives all over. Today, people from Pinebush, Wappingers, Fishkill, Monroe, City of Newburgh, Town of Newburgh, Cornwall, New Windsor, and beyond. And so today, we realize we need more space. But it's not more space for 200 people. But this is about now expanding the reach, taking this bridge to new places. And so our next step requires us to have more space more space so people can come. During the week, they can learn simple things like GED, access ESL services, where they can learn job training skills, where they can have a path that gives them a light of hope that shows them, wow, I don't have to stay where I'm at. I can learn these things, where we can have computer labs, where people can access some of the simplest things that they don't have, like the internet, like online training skills, where people can have fields, where they can be a part of our Youth Leadership Academy, where at-risk teens can come and find a space where it's safe and they feel at home and they can be real with their friends while at the same time learning and gaining access to supports that help them with simple things like tutoring, like academic support, like thinking about secondary education, college, vocational training, and not just learning about it, but a place where we'll help them connect to those things. 
where young people can access fields where they can play soccer and football and learn sports and academic skills where people can go and learn what it is to, uh, to have fun. And at the same time, go towards something greater, experiencing God, experiencing Jesus, experiencing his love. And so our next step is a bold one. It's a step that goes beyond what we know. The Bible says that God does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what we could ask or think. This next step takes us beyond what we could conceive in our own minds. But that's the very place where God is leading us. It's where God says in his word, and he calls us out, and he invites us to something more. And he tells us, I am the God that calls you and says to you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered the hearts of men, the things that I have in store for those who love me and are called according to my purposes. This is about an invitation to partner with God. This is about a vision to be the church and go where we've never been. And so you might ask the question, why so big a vision? Why this next step? Why do we need to go to great lengths? And God's answer is, why not? See, with men it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Join us, partner with us. Partner with the kingdom of God. Let's give this community something they've never seen so that they can come to know a God they've never known in a real way. Let's be what God's called us to be, the bridge. How's everybody doing this morning? Good morning. morning. All right. It is so good to see you all here this day. I want to start off today by simply encouraging you to consider an invaluable truth. How many of you would agree that life with God is a whole lot better than without God? Would you agree with that? Come on, you can give it up for God. You, You can give it up for Jesus if that's where you're at. Listen, uh... We started a series last week entitled, Why Not? Why Not? And I will be frank with you. Some of you, here's your mindset. Here's what you might be thinking. He's going to pump us up about this building. And that's not where I'm coming from at all. See, we all, whether we care to admit it or not, face questions in life. We all face circumstances that cause us to question the, the validity, the truth contained in God's word. We all face circumstances at times where we go, oh God, why me? Why now? Why this? Why that? Why why should I take this next step? Can I take this next step? Is it even possible? And in the midst of it all, what we fail to realize sometimes is that God only speaks one language, faith. God only speaks one language, you can. The word of God says that his promises are yes 
and amen. Listen to the declaration that God states in his word. He says, as it pertains to my promises to you, here's my answer to you. Yes and amen. Yes and so be it. Yes and it's done. And so in the midst of what we see from God's word and what we feel God's word pulling upon our heart towards, we must realize something that while we may question and say, why? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to step out? Why do I have to trust God's word? God's simple response is always, why not? Because I'm with you. I'm for you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I won't fail you. And so we're called to live life in faith and by faith. And it's a faith that takes us beyond that which is seen or known to our natural senses. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just give you a news flash about faith. Faith has nothing to do with what you see. Faith has nothing to do with what we see. Faith has nothing to do with what we feel. Those goosebumps you get sometimes, have you ever thought that maybe the AC is just on a little too high? When you shake a little bit? Listen, now I'm not knocking anything, but, but let me be honest with you, ladies. Let's, let's be frank about this. Many times we judge faith by the things that we feel or the things that we're told, and we never get a word from God because we're not looking to his promises and we're not seeking God and his word. What we're seeking is the opinion of men. What, we, what we're seeking is the approval of people. And God does not relate to us according to flesh. Jesus put it this way. He said, what is of the spirit is of the spirit. And what is of the flesh is of the flesh. You know what he was saying? You don't relate to me according to natural terms. You don't relate to me according to what you've been told by people. You relate to me according to what I've done within you, spirit to spirit. And so today, don't judge what I'm saying by who I am. I'm saying to you, look to the word of God. Because my role here is to point you back to the word. Not to give you an opinion. Amen. And so living life in faith equips us and empowers us to face those questions of life that contradict the promises of God, that challenge what we've come to believe and the steps that we're taking in faith. And so last week we began to look at the life of a man named Caleb. And where we found him last week when we left off was at the foot of a mountain called Hebron. Caleb was 85 years old. And at this juncture in his life, he's looking at this great mountain and he's looking all the way far out to a land called Riyadh. And what he knows is this. I've got to climb this mountain. I've got to not only get over this mountain to the other side, but once I finally get to the other side and I begin to enter towards a land named Canaan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come across these giants, these people called the Anakites. And these people are fierce warriors. The thing is, he's 85 years old. And I don't know about you, but at 85, some of us, maybe myself included, might go like this. Woo! About that mountain. I don't know about this. Uh, yeah, the way my knees are set up. The way my bank account's set up. The way my life is set up at this point. I don't know about climbing this mountain, going to the other side, facing these giants, having to fight this battle. But I want to tell you something about faith. Faith isn't simply about peaches and creams. Faith isn't simply about saying, well, God, you got it. Did you know that we're called to participate in faith? Did you know that? Did you know that the Bible says that we're to work out our own salvation in awe and fear and trembling of God? In other words, we're supposed to do it in light of who God is. We're supposed to take steps of faith. The Bible says we go from faith to faith, glory to glory. Can I say something to you? 
That little word in between two tells us that there's a bridge that we're supposed to cross. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. It's a step. It's a lifestyle. And so we're not called to natural means when it comes to relate to God. We're not called to simply look to our natural resources and what's going on around us or what we've experienced or what we've been taught when it comes to taking steps of faith. If our first reaction when it comes to the word of God is to go, let me see what I can do. We missed it. We missed it. You know what the key to going from impossible to possible is in life? With God, it's taking out the first two letters. The first two little letters. Those two little letters, I am, add an apostrophe to that, and now you know what I'm talking about. Get I'm out of the way. I'm scared. I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I'm called. I'm not convinced that God is with me. I'm, get that out of the way because the, the sooner we get ourselves out of the way, our own reasoning, our own understanding out of the way, the sooner we'll begin to walk towards a path of faith that leads us to every promise that God has declared. Well, praise God, Pastor. That's, that, that's the truth. Amen. And so I want us to go back to Joshua chapter 14, verses 9 through 11. And I want us to consider where uh, Caleb found himself in his faith at the age of 85 years old, staring at this mountain. Caleb is looking towards the leader now, the, peop- the, the man that God has appointed, anointed to lead the people of Israel, a man named Joshua. And as they're approaching this mountain, Caleb turns to Joshua and he says to him in verse 9 of Joshua 14, he says, So on that day Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. I want you to get something here. That in order to operate in faith, it takes your whole heart. In order to respond in faith, to relate to God, to see the word of God active and alive and working in our lives, it takes your whole heart. Is it any wonder that the scriptures declare that above all things we're to guard our heart with diligence? Because out of it flow the issues of life. We're supposed to guard this heart. We're supposed to keep it completely by the word of God. And so in verse 10, Caleb goes on to say, Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. And so here I am today, Caleb says, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country. Give me my mountain. Give me my promised land that the Lord promised me on that day. 85 years old. Most people are checking out at 85. But Caleb wasn't proceeding based on his age or his stage in life. Caleb had a promise from God. Caleb understood, God, you said, you promised, and it's mine. I want to tell you something about this life with God. That with God is what makes the difference. I'm going to say that again. With God is what makes all the difference. Say this with me. It can be done with God. Now, some of you are repeating that. But I want you to measure where you're at. I want you to consider your heart. 
Do you believe that? Don't answer that. Answer that for yourself. Do you really believe that? Do you really know that to be truth? Because where you are determines where you're going in this walk of faith. Do you truly trust God that way? See, the mountain was, this mountain wasn't only the biggest obstacle that Caleb would ever have to overcome, but it would lead him to come face to face with the greatest giants that he would have to overtake. These people called the Anakites. And at the age of 85, instead of finding Caleb in a state of retreat, running to get help, here's what Caleb wasn't doing. He wasn't going, oh, let me get all my prayer warriors together. We got to pray and storm the gates of heaven. We've got to rebuke the devil. We've got to do this and we've got to do that and pray with me. Can I tell you something? What do you do with scripture when it says that God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness? What do you do with the scriptures where the scripture said that he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing that you'll ever be blessed with? What do you do with the scriptures that declare that God is for you and who can stand against you? Why are we turning to people and depending upon people and hoping that their prayers work because ours aren't? Why don't we stand upon the promise of God and proceed in faith and trust God who is true to his word, whose word does not return to him void? This dude, Caleb, man, looked at a mountain. 85 years old, 45 years walking around in desert country, back at the foot of a place of promise, older in age, but strong in heart. You know why Caleb could face that mountain? You know why Caleb did overtake the Anakites? Because Caleb trusted God. Caleb, his heart was wholeheartedly committed to God. And so for 45 years, Caleb said, I'm taking my mountain. I'm taking the promise of God. This kingdom of God that we pertain to as children of God is one where we step into the unknown and we take territory that we never thought was possible. Territory. You are called to be the child of God who steps out and takes a hold of every promise and brings light in places and models the kingdom of God, overtaking people and bringing truth to them and transforming their lives and changing communities and changing households. Listen, this word of God is the power of God unto salvation. You know what the scripture saying there? It's saying that this word of God that we receive when it's revealed to us, it is the power to bring about everything that God has determined and predestined unto you and I as declared by his word. And so I want you to consider where Caleb found himself 45 years before and the issue of the heart that he was addressing. In Numbers 14, verses 7 through 9, he's 40 years old and he's come back from this land of promise that God called them called him Joshua and 10 other unnamed men to go out and see. And he comes back, and the scriptures tell us, as we saw last week, that these men were cowering in fear. They come back from seeing this great land, from seeing this great promise, from seeing uh, all that God had said would be there for them, cities that they did not build, lands, vineyards that they did not, that they did not plant, that God was giving them this land, a land that would flow with milk and honey. And they come back from that, and here's what they say. They say, the land is exceedingly good. 
It's a really good land. It's everything that God said. Look at this fruit that we've brought back from this land. But the Anakites are there. They're huge. We can't face them. We were better off in Egypt in slavery. Stuck in the muck. No faith. Comfortable in chains. Comfortable in mindsets that said, it's so much better just to be small in our own sight. Small in light of what God's trying to do. It's so much better to just be there. Look at Caleb's report when he comes back from there. He says in Numbers 14, verses, starting at verse 7, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. I want you to see something here in verse 9, in verse 8, that Caleb begins to address an issue of the heart with the people. Here's the issue that he begins to address. He says, if the Lord is pleased with us, if the Lord is with us, he will give us this land. Now watch verse 10. He go, I'm sorry, verse 9. He goes on to say, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Watch what he says. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. He, he's addressing the issue, the question at hand. Is God really with us? Is God really for us? Can this really be possible? He says the Lord is with us, but do not be afraid of them. Listen, I'm sure that questions arose along the way. Questions like, why do this? Why go ahead? Why now at this stage of life? But for Caleb, the answer was much bigger than the questions. The answer was so much bigger than the questions. Caleb was in a relationship with God. Caleb trusted in his relationship with God. And his response was, why not? We can do this. We can devour them. We can overcome and so today I'd like, you to invite, I'd like to invite you to consider a course-defining statement and its implications for your life. With God, it can be done. No matter what you're facing, listen closely. With God, it can be done. But you know what we're not talking about? We're not talking about going to church. We're not talking about behaving good for God. We're not talking about wearing the title, dun, 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 I'm a Christian. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about relationship with God. With God. With God. It can be done. See, the impossible becomes possible with God. The impossible in our lives only becomes possible with God. I know that for some of us, maybe we've been down that road where we like to blame everything on the devil. And the devil did this, and the devil did that, and the devil's in our lives, and the devil's attacking us, and the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. We talk so much about the devil that we negate the promises of God. We talk so much about the devil up our back, and the question is, how did he get up there? How did he get there? Listen, the devil, according to Scripture, is... A puny little thing. The scriptures declare that in Isaiah that the day will come when the, all, the, all the earth will look upon Satan and they'll go, this is the one 
This guy right here is the one that terrorized all the nations, that instilled fear, that deceived people, this puny little punk, the devil. And here we are, not realizing we're giving glory to the devil in everything. The devil, the devil, the devil. Why not confess and stick to your, to your testimony, which is Christ Jesus, crucified and raised, the one by which you are now more than a conqueror. Well, that was free. Matthew 19, 26. Jesus put it this way. It says, Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God. I said, with God. With God. All things are possible. All things are possible. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, with God, it can be done. With God, you can't fail. With God, you overcome. With God, all the things that, you, that seem impossible to you, those situations with your children, the promises that you're still holding on to that it seems like they're never coming to pass in your home, in your marriage, in your career, in this next course-defining decision that you're making towards the future. Whatever it is, with God, it is possible. You know what God is saying? You can. You can. You can. I got to tell you, from my own personal life, that while we're in the midst of this as a ministry starting these next steps, I can tell you that personally, I'm in a place that I've never been in faith. And it's not because of what we're doing with this facility. It, it has nothing to do with that. That's a part of it. But in every area of my life, as a pastor, as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a community member, in relationships with my family, in every regard, I'm, I'm, I'm at a place right now where I can only depend upon God. And you know what? That's the place we want to be. Because when you can only depend on God, you can only respond to God in faith. You can only live by faith. It's time that we get past ourselves. And so last week, like I said, we made a major announcement. We're stepping out in partnership with God so that we can step into a new facility whose sole purpose is to make room for lives to be transformed in the name of Jesus to be lifted up. But you know, one of the things that, uh, as I shared last week, I got into this season of frustration in my life at one point uh, when I first uh, knew that we were taking these next steps because I got caught in this place where I was saying to myself, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this work? How am I, 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 I? And you know what? When all you do is focus on I, 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 you know what it becomes? I, 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 that, that, It sucks to be in that place. It sucks to be there. But this is exactly what Caleb had to confront 45 years earlier in his life when God had called the people of Israel to possess the promised land. Caleb had to remind them to focus upon the God that is with us. The God that is with us. In Numbers 13.33, here's what, here's what they said when he started speaking to them. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers, watch this, in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. You know what they're saying? Oh man, they were so big. And we were so small to them. But here's what they became convinced of. We're small. We can't. It's impossible. And you know, we got to be careful in the midst of those type of conversations because here's what began to happen. The Bible says that they began to discuss amongst one another, sharing this negative report. 
And you know what happened? The Bible says that it caused the people's hearts to melt. You know what's the best thing to do when you're walking in faith and you're surrounded by people that are telling you contradictory to what you know the word of God says? Do what Caleb says. Quiet! Quiet, 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 quiet. Got no time for that. Got no time for your negative report. Got no time for, for, for your, negative, your, your negative mindset. Got no time for, for what you're saying. You, you, you know, when we entertain words that contradict the word of God that we've received, you know, who, you know whose voice we're entertaining? Not the good shepherds. We're entertaining Satan's voice. We can't allow ourselves to go there, ladies and gentlemen. And so Caleb, and, uh, Caleb was encouraging the people to shift their sight back upon the one they were with. God. See, when faced with a mountain, it's more important to see what God sees. You know why? Because what God sees is possible. What God says is possible. We've got to get back to that place. And so I want to share with you some thoughts from the Word of God. And I want to look to a Mark chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 27. I'm going to kind of recap this because we're a little short on time. But basically, here's what's happening. Jesus shows up in this particular place, and, and when he gets there, the scribes, the religious leaders, and the disciples are con- in contention. They're arguing about something. And so when Jesus gets there, Jesus says to them, he, he, he asks them, what are you guys disputing? What's, what's the issue here? What's going on? And as he's asking this question, a man comes up out of the crowd and he says, Jesus he says, I, my son has been demon-oppressed uh, uh, demon for all these years, so much so that the demon pushes him and throws him into the fire, into the water, and it's trying to destroy him. And I brought him to your disciples, and your disciples could not cast him out. What you might not know is that prior to this, Jesus had commissioned 70 of his disciples and said, go two by two, and you cast out demons, and you raise the dead, and, and you, you bring the gospel to them, speak the truth. And so these guys had a measure of success they had experienced nothing but success as they as they stepped out so much so that the bible records that there came a time when they returned back and they bring nothing but good reports they said even the demons were subject to us all we 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 healed the people we we fed them we did this we did that all these great things and so jesus when he comes there this man is saying look these guys could do what you did but they couldn't do it And so he says to Jesus this, read with me if you will in uh, Mark chapter 9 and we're going to look at verse 22. The man says to him, "And and often he has thrown him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. Watch this. But if you can do anything. This is what he's saying. He says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Watch Jesus' response in verse 23. Jesus said to him, If you can believe. I love, uh, there's another version. Here's what Jesus responds. In another version, they put it this way. It says, If I can. If I can. I want you to see what Jesus is doing here. This man comes to him in a state of doubt. See, this, this situation with his son is impossible in his mindset. 
I've tried everything. I even brought them to the men, to, to the men of God that you appointed, the ones that had great success, that I heard that they did these great things and they couldn't do anything. So if you can do anything, Jesus, if you can do anything, hey, take pity on us. Help us. And Jesus says, if I can? No, no, no. Let me show you how this works. If you can. If you can believe. If you can believe. See, this father responds with an account of an impossible situation. But what we know is that, he, that, that because of this situation, he's in a state of unbelief. He doesn't believe that there's any way out of this. He cannot see a solution. And the reason why we know that is because he says, if you can do anything. In other words, I can't do anything, Jesus. I can't. Nobody can, Jesus. And Jesus' response is very telling. Another way of putting it is this way. Jesus is saying, it can be done, but you play a part in this. I've done my part. You play a part in this. He says, can you believe if you can? And so, see, the thing about it is this, in the midst of this situation, that God hasn't called you and I to face mountainous situations alone. He's called us into partnership, listen, with himself. God has called us to live life in partnership with him, in relationship with him. God wants you and I to succeed with him. This man had his own questions. How is it possible? Why isn't anything happening? When is it finally going to change? Can Jesus really help me? They were all the wrong questions. Jesus asked the right question. Can you? Can you believe? Can you rely upon the one that's with you right now? He's talking to God himself in the form of a man. And he doesn't get it. It's possible. You can. You can. And so... You know, Moses found himself in a similar situation with God years prior to that. The people of Israel were in a long season of doubt and drought. They'd been walking around in the desert all this time. And you know, even in the midst of walking around in the desert for 40 years, here's what they didn't realize, how, how great God was, how loving he was. Listen, the Bible says that they walked around with the same set of footwear, same set of clothes, and it did not wear away in no regards. Man, I wish I could get some sneakers like that, that the soul never got dirty, that the soul never wasted, that the jeans never began to come apart after a while, after a couple of washes. These people were walking around, and they were robed in royalty. God provided for them. And then they, but that wasn't enough for them. It wasn't enough for them. God, we're hungry. God, provide for us. God, listen, so God gives them manna. God's provision, what a concept. And so God provides for them. And then they get that, and guess what? It's still not good enough. We want me. We want me. We want me. We want me. And Moses goes to God in Numbers chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 11. We're going to look there in a second. And he says to God, this is, this is Moses' report to God. This is what Moses is believing. He says, Lord... This nation, it's 600,000 men. You know what he's saying? 
in those days, when they counted the people, they didn't count women and children. So what we know according to history is that there were over 2 million people at that point. Some, some estimate between 2 and 3 million. So it's a lot of people. Would you agree? And Moses looks at the people of Israel. He goes, oh God, this is going to dim the lights in heaven. This is God. This is going to trip a breaker in heaven. There's so many people. The Numbers 11 records that Moses says to him, if you took all the fish in the sea to feed them, it wouldn't be enough. That was Moses' report. This is too big. It's impossible, God. Numbers 11.23, join me there. Watch what God says to him. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Moses, is my hand the one by which I formed all creation simply by a word? Is my presence not enough in the midst of your situation? Did you not know, Moses, that I'm the one who created all the fish of the sea? Did you not know, Moses, that I'm the one that can take two fish? and five loaves, and multiply what you see little, and make it much? Did you not know that I'm the God who spoke everything into existence, and so I'm the one that can provide simply by my promise, by my word declared? He says, is my arm too short, Moses? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. See, it's not an issue of it's if it's possible. It's an issue of if we can And the answer is yes. Simply believe God. Believe. This man's mountain wasn't the impossibility he saw in his son's condition. You know what his mountain was? His mountain was that he did not believe God. He was unaware that God was right there with him. You know, if we're not careful, we can approach life that way. While claiming to know God, while going to church while reading the Bible and all that good stuff, we can act as if we're not with God. I shared this earlier this week during one of our devotionals, but I had this, I had this visual as I was meditating upon this one morning. My backyard on my deck, my dog is running around. I'm drinking a cup of coffee and I'm just talking to the Lord and meditating on the word. And I got this visual because God doesn't, he shows me his word, but then I, if I don't see it, I don't get it. I'm one of those guys, right? I'm sorry I'm not so super spiritual like some people. I got to see it. And so I'm meditating upon the word, and I get this visual of this grandiose place. I mean, it's exotic. It's amazing. And, and there are all these important people coming and going from there. And I'm, I'm approaching this place, and as I'm approaching this place, I find myself at the door, and the guy goes, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, you can't come here. And in this visual, I'm feeling small. And, and, and I look to my, to my right, and I say, but I'm with him. I'm, I'm, I'm with him, and the person I'm with is God. And he goes, he goes, you're with him? And here's the cool thing about this visual as I was meditating upon this. That then God says, he's with me. He's with me. See, many times we can go, yes, I'm with God, I'm with God, I'm with God. That's not inaccurate. But here's what we really need to focus on. God says, she's with me. He's with me. The scriptures tell us, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians, I could be wrong on that, but in Corinthians it tells us that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. 
one spirit with him. And so, I want to encourage you today with some, some few closing thoughts. You know, this going from impossible to possible, approaching matters from faith and faith alone, I want to encourage you to get used to this. Get used to this. Listen, I, I have come to the place of realization, and I pray that you have too, that if it takes faith to believe and trust in a God whom we can't see, it takes faith to live day by day with that same God. I'm going to say that again. Listen, we must come to the place of realization that if we truly believe in a God that we can't see, we can't touch, but we know he's real, we know he's true, and we know that he's with us, then by that same standard, we must approach every circumstance in life with God, no matter what we feel, no matter what we're told, no matter what people may say, no matter what prophet bucket mouth says, or pastor such and such, or bishop such and such, you stand upon the word of God because with God, all things are possible. I love the way Jesus put it. He says, with men, it's impossible. So why are we trying to partner with men? Why are we relying upon men? Why are we looking to people to affirm us and to tell us what God says? My role here today, I pray that when you leave here today, that you're not saying, Pastor said, no, go back to your word because it's what the word of God says. We're invited into partnership with God, with God, with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 5 says this, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want you to see what the Bible says there. Our faith is not to be placed in the wisdom of men, in the understanding of men, in the resources of men. Can I say something to you? And I'll say this, but hear my heart here. Let me hear my heart here. Because for some people, this could rub them the wrong way, but that's not my heart. I'm just speaking to you out of a love for God. And because I'm called to speak the truth in love. We took this step, and you know what some people thought? That we're depending upon people. $1.8 million just for 2.1 acres, and we want the whole 14 acres. We're taking it all. What, what I didn't share with you that I'll share with you now is that when, I'm, when I met with the realtors um, about this facility, uh, I, f- I was feeling real small. I was feeling like a little grasshopper for a minute there. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm feeling like it's deja vu, like I'm back at the place when we first came here. When we first stepped into this building was for sale, the, the owner had a $700,000 cash offer. Cash offer for this building. I go to meet the guy and I said, I'm interested in your building. And he says, okay, how much money you got? I said, I got nothing for you. <laughs> Businessman. He looks at me and he goes, uh, so about that. And we get to talking and then he says to me, he asked me a question that I wasn't anticipating, but that I was prepared for because I had a word from God. He says to me, what's your vision for this city? And I began to lay it out for him, just what you heard in that video. I began to lay it out for him. And he's, he gets on the phone and he calls the, 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 the gentleman who, who he was about to enter into contract with, and he says, tell your lawyer not to call my lawyer this week. He says, I'm committed to a church to lease them my facility. Listen, 700 grand cash. I can assure you that what we pay is peanuts. We haven't even touched a seventh of that in the last four years here. 
Not even that. Not even that. That's the favor of God. So here I am sitting with these realtors, and the realtor says to me, yeah, so the building with the parking spaces is $1.8 million. And I was like, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I'm sorry. I was choking on something. <coughs> yeah, uh, what, what was that? $1.8 million. And I, and I found myself in a very familiar place. Nothing made sense. But the only thing that I knew was God said. Yes, sir. And so I said to him, uh, well, we're not, in a play, we're not in a position right now for that. But, uh, but I said to him, you won't be able to sell this building. And he says to me, why would you even say something like that? I said, let me tell you why. Because God said, this building belongs to church at the bridge. And so he looks at me. He looks at me. And he gives, he gives me this smirk, and he goes, oh, you got that all figured out, huh? I said, mark my words, Denny. You will not be able to sell this facility. Since March, four different times. Hey, Pastor Jose, just want to let you know, I'm not sure if you guys got an offer, but we got a company, and yeah, the VP just came up, and their president's coming up on Friday, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, and they're about to put an offer on. And I said, call me back after you get through with that. Four different times. Four different times. The last time he calls me, I said, it didn't work out, did it? Yes, and he says, well, you guys want to make an offer? I said, Denny, yes. yes and we made an offer to them that's requiring some creativity. But you know what? They are, they, they're looking at our offer in light of people that were offering more money than we are. Yes, Don't tell me God isn't good. Yes, Don't tell me that with God, all things are not possible. Yes. That's the God that we serve. Yes. And so here we are, smack in the middle of a next step, a move of God. Listen, a move of God, not a move of men, not a move of people, not a move of a church, a move of God. Here we are smack in the middle of a move of God. And here's what we all need to remember, whether it's what we're talking about here as a ministry or in your personal life or in the midst of your relationships or in the midst of your next career move, whatever it is, you got to take this into account with God. With God. It can be done with God. With God. God, with God, in relationship with God. Come on, now give it up for the Lord. It's with God. We're doing this with God. So get used to this. Because this is what faith entails. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered the hearts of men. Watch this, what God has in store for those who love him. So what makes us think that, it, what makes us think that it's supposed to fit in our head? Listen, if it's not bigger than you, it's not God. I'll tell you something else about going from the impossible to the possible. When you receive it, you'll see it. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? Let me read to you Mark eleven twenty-two through 24. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Watch what he didn't say. Have faith for a car. Have faith for money. Have faith for provision. Have faith for things. Have faith for people. Have faith. No, the Bible clearly says this. Jesus is in the midst. He's walking with the disciples. And a couple of days prior, he's walking with them. And he sees this fig tree. And it's got some leaves, which to him indicates that there's supposed to be fruit on it. And so when he sees this fig tree, he approaches it, expecting to get some figs. And then he sees there's no figs there. And so he curses it. He says, 
You will no longer produce any fruit. He cursed it, and he leaves. It was an exercise in faith. So he, they leave. He does some cool stuff in between. They're on their way back now from where they were coming from, and they happen to walk by this same fig tree. And Peter goes, OMG, this is crazy. He pulls out his phone. He has to snap it. So he's like, oh, my God, this is crazy. He goes, Jesus, 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 come here, come here, Jesus. Let me show you something real cool. You know that fig tree that you cursed? Look, it's dry. It's dead all the way to the roots. Jesus responds to him. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Check this out. Check out what Jesus says. If you believe what you say in agreement with God's word will be done. Talk about if I can. No, it's dependent upon if you can. He says, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you will have them. Jesus is addressing what seemed impossible. There's no way in just a few days that this fig tree died all the way to the root. It's dried up and shriveled. And Jesus says, Peter, what part aren't you getting about this? We agree with God. This is how faith works. And so, Peter, you see that mountain over there? Maybe it was even Mount Hebron. See that mountain over there? He says, if you say to that mountain, be cast into the sea, and you believe it, it'll be done. Why? Because it's faith in God, not faith for things. Faith in God. And lastly, I leave you with this closing point. Don't let common sense override God's presence in your life. Hear what I'm saying. We're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 32, but before we go there, you can turn there if you want. Jeremiah finds himself in what seems an impossible situation. It doesn't make sense. See, Jeremiah is a prophet, and as prophet, he speaks for God. God anointed him. God spoke through him to the people. And so Jeremiah is bringing all these prophecies, and all these prophecies happen to be speaking about the demise of a king who is of Judah. He's an Israelite. And so the king of Judah is not cool with it. So he's, he, he says, lock him up, throw him in a cage, put him in jail, throw away the key. So Jeremiah's in jail. And God speaks to him and shows him, hey, Jeremiah, you have a cousin who's going to come to you. And this cousin of yours, he's going to show up and he's going he's to say to you, hey, I've got this plot of land and I'm giving you the opportunity to buy it because according to the law, you're the one who's now in line to take it. Thing is, Jeremiah's in a bad situation. He's in prison. So true to form, because God said, his cousin shows up, says to him, hey, Jeremiah, I got this piece of land for you. Do you want to buy it? It's your right to buy it. The law says that you're the one next in line. So Jeremiah buys it. He scrounges whatever resources he buys it. But then it gets even weirder. It makes no sense. See, God told him, take the deed to that, to that land that you're buying. There's actually two deeds, the official one and the unofficial one. He says, take them both, dig a hole in the ground, and put him in the ground. And God's trying to use this to illustrate something unto the people of Israel. 
But Jeremiah, in the midst of something that makes no sense at all, it defies all common sense. Look at Jeremiah's response when he prays about it. Jeremiah 32, 17. He says this, Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. It makes no sense. But he says, God, nothing's too hard for you. Look at verse 20. He goes on to say, you performed miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Things still remember to this day. And you have continued to do great miracles in Israel and all around the world. You have made your name famous to this day. Wow. Listen, common sense says this doesn't fit into my mindset. This doesn't make sense to me. You tell that to some pastors today. This is what God has told us. We're a congregation of a a little over 200 people. We've got kids, we've got teens, we've got parents, we've got single people, we've got Hispanic people, black people, white people, Chinese people. We've got everything in between. And they'll say, you're not in a position to do this right now. No, 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 no. Scripture says that I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. At the right hand of the Father. Scripture says that God is for us. Who can be against us? Scripture says that we follow in a trail of triumph. A trail of triumph that is of Christ. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we can't fail. We can't fail. So whatever doubts you're facing in your personal life, whatever doubts you may be facing in the midst of this move that we're making as a ministry, whatever, whatever doubts and, and, and voices you're entertaining, I'm telling you, remember this. That with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so remember this, it can be done with God. It can be done in relationship with God. It can be done because God is with you. God says, I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm not abandoning you. I'm not giving up on you. Listen, this is for my glory. What makes you think you play a part in it? All we got to do is just walk with God. Respond in faith. Do our part. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we come to you this day in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. I want you to do something with me. Put your hand on somebody. We're going to pray for each other here. We're going to pray for each other here. Heavenly Father, I thank you that today in the hearing of your word, faith has come. Faith has come. Faith has come. And so today, Lord, I pray a strengthening in the inner man of your people. That your people would look at the mountains of life and that they would realize that it can be done. That it may not be possible with men, but Lord, with you all things are possible. And so, Lord, this day I pray enlighten the eyes of your people that they would come to know, oh God, and be convinced of the hope that's theirs in Christ Jesus, in the saints, that they would become familiar with the inheritance that you've already provided unto them, that, Lord, the inner man would rise up boldly as a lion because you have declared them that they are righteous, Lord, and that they would rise up with God and that they would conquer and overcome in the midst of every circumstance that comes their way. I thank you, Lord, that homes are transformed.
transformed. I thank you, Lord, that relationships are restored. I thank you, Lord, that marriages are stronger. I thank you, Lord, that provision overflows because you are the God of increase. I thank you, Father, that all bodily affliction is cast down and it has no place in the life of your people because we're walking with God and with God all things are possible. We agree with the word of God. We stand in agreement with God's promises and we declare with God we can. With God I can. With God it's possible. Father, we thank you for this this day. We celebrate Jesus and we look forward with eyes of faith in anticipation of everything that your word declares. It is so. It is done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.